Everybody, welcome to this very special edition of the Web Cave. I am the host tonight, Doug Hammer, and tonight is a very, very special edition as it is the debate that these two guys have been waiting to do: the face-off, Batman versus Spider-Man. There's going to be five rounds, of course. Uh, now I don't know if I have this actually in the right order or not, but it's going to be origin. Powers. Uh, origin powers are together, yeah. Origin and powers are together. Uh-huh. Then villain. Yep. Uh, best stories. Yep. What number? Feats and powerful moments. Feats and powerful moments. And then... Who would win in a fight? Okay. Uh, you should be the... And then... All right. <laughs> we got that. And then, of course, at the end of the show, they're going to be reviewing the comic... Uh, Green Goblin, the first edition, Marvel's Green, or Gold Goblin, I mean. That'll be at the end. That'll be at the end. All right. And, of course, your combatants for this evening, representing the Batman, Daniel. Yep. On the winning side. Yeah. Well, uh, a.k.a. the Batman. Yeah. Oh, now we're sizes. All right. Representing (laughs) Spider-Man. Bobby. A real motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, yeah real, real also kid. a real asshole, too. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and then, of course, your judges. We have Tyler's here. Hello. All right. We have Bobby's friend Nick is here. What's up, y'all? All right. And then, of course, joining us, this is his first time on the Web Cave, but he has been on on our network many times. Kenny Lehman is here. There's always the pleasure is all yours, gentlemen. Yeah. I can't wait to hear this. All right. Uh, you know, it should be a good one. All right. So basically, here's the rules. There's five rounds. Yes. Now, what's going to happen is, I'm going to throw it to one of you. You're going to talk about whatever the uh, specific round is. Okay. You're going to talk about it. All right. Then when I start talking, you shut up, and then I throw it to your opponent, and then they talk about – you guys will talk about your respective uh, superheroes, you know, whatever. And then after you both have given your opening statements, yeah. I will ring the bell throw it back to one of you. You will argue as to why yours is better than the other. Yeah. And then your opponent will have the opportunity. Well, that's more back and forth, right? Yeah, it's going to be back and forth. Yeah. So then you guys will argue, and then after a couple of minutes, or until my ears bleed, I will uh, then ring the bell again, and then the judges will then award their points to whoever they felt gave the best argument in the round. Do not judge for the superhero you like 
the best. Judge for whoever gave the better argument. I hear you. Yeah, let me just add to that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, guys, total bat. I love both of them, but Batman's always number one. So I'm less interested in what you think about the other hero as opposed to what you think about your hero. So, right, you know what I'm saying? I'm not yeah, looking for a contract. Convince me they're better. Right. So, but yeah, so that is the that is the judge's job is to award the point to who they believe gave the better argument. So now that uh, the rules have been read loud and clear, or at least loud, we're going to start round one of Julie. What? <laughs> origin. All right, origin. <laughs> You're doing great. Uh, You're doing great. Yeah. All right. Daniel, we'll start now. with you. Talk about Batman's origin. All right. Kind of a real quick, everyone knows his origin. Everyone knows uh, about in Crime Alley uh, with the pearls with his mom and dad and them getting shot in front of him by Joe Chill, by a random guy. Uh, unless you're going by the first Batman movie in the late 80s, then the Joker killed him. But in any other interpretation, it's this random dude, Joe Chill. And they kill his parents. So after a while, if his definitive origin is year one by Frank Miller, at least in my eyes. He's had some others in the comics, and they've kind of done different things in the movies too. But it always goes back to the same thing. Parents get shot. He becomes Batman. Uh, there's some other stuff thrown in there with Ra's al Ghul and training and shit. But that, that's how he comes to be Batman. And then he inhabits Gotham City. That's the city that he vows to protect. He works with some of the, you know, best people in the game, like Jim Gordon, who becomes the commissioner at some point of Gotham, of the GCPD. Uh, he develops the Bat family after a while. He starts by bringing in Robin. He proves that he is a good mentor. These kids go on to do various things uh, and become superheroes in their own right. And then the Bat family is this big group that's, you know, rivals a lot of superhero groups nowadays. The Bat Family is huge. And, uh, yeah, he's got some of the best side characters in the game, which I would argue that he totally beats Spider-Man in that category. He made the Bat Cave. To me, this is all part of the origin because he didn't. we don't have individual rounds for this shit. So uh, he makes the Bat Cave. He's got the Batmobile, and he goes and fights crime. And I'll get into more of the stories and stuff after. All right. Bobby, you're up. Talk about Spider-Man's uh, origin. All right. I'm going to be obviously talking about Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Everybody knows that uh, Peter Parker lives with his Uncle Ben and Aunt May. What a lot of people don't know is he was born with his original parents who were tragically killed, so he was adopted by his Uncle Ben and Aunt May. And he went to a local high school where he was a very gifted science student who was on track to have a full scholarship for to go to college for science. And um, he was at Oscorp at a demonstration on radiation, and Peter was accidentally bitten by a glowing radioactive spider. And then after he was bitten by the spider, Peter wanders out into the street and then feeling very ill and he manages to superhumanly jump into the air and lands on the side of a building realizing that he now has proportionate speed strength and agility of a spider and one thing that peter does within his story opposing the batman is 
Batman's origin is when he's grown up, he has a mentor that teaches him everything, teaches him how to fight, teaches him how to be a detective, teaches him how to be a superhero, basically teaches Bruce how to be Batman. On the other hand, Peter Parker's uncle was killed after he shortly gained his powers. So Peter had to learn on his own and teach himself how to be a superhero, teach himself how to fight, teach himself everything that Peter Parker knows how to do. Unlike Batman, Peter never had a mentor. All right. Ding? Okay. Ding, ding. Go at, ding, ding, go at it. Well, that last one's already right, bullshit. Excuse me. Huh? I'd like to ask the question. Go ahead. Questions. Um, okay. That was Bobby, actually. How far will you take his origin? When did he become the I can't hear you. Yeah, we can't hear you. Kenny, speak so we can hear you. Okay, how about now? Is this better? Yeah. Good. Fucking phone. Anyways, in terms of his or Bobby, in terms of Spider-Man's origin, what point do you think is the Spider-Man that, like, we'd instantly recognize from, like, any, you know, comic book, any comic story told, like, just pull one down off the shelf and it's, you know, it's... It's not the beginning of the stories. It's not towards, you know, it's, it's a modern comic book. When does he become that Spider-Man? What is that moment of his origin? It's pretty much right after Uncle Ben dies and he realizes who he is. Like once he discovers the kind of hero he is after Uncle Ben dies, when he realizes that with great power comes great responsibility, he takes that into his own depth and becomes the hero that everybody knows. That's when they branch off all the other comics. I'm purely just talking about how he obtained his powers and became the role of Spider-Man. The other stories and stuff I'll get into in the further round. Okay. Excellent. All now, right. Daniel. Oh. Let me ask a question. What's up, Kenny? <laughs> this is gonna, now, this is, this, is, this is a little more of an experimental question. Now, yes. uh, depending on, um, when do you think, you know, through all the years, you know, Batman is very old property, when do you yeah. think that, you know, the Batman that we recognize now is is something for years and years it took to build? Do you think that it was something that – do you think another character would have held out as long? Uh, no. Case... No, okay. definitely not. I think the one mo- – I think the, like, to me, the turning point, because Batman was big, like – Almost on debut. It's not like he like he didn't fade to the back. Batman books have always sold. I'd say like if like we're going like chronologically, I think when like Neil Adams started taking over and Denny O'Neill and stuff in the seventies and kind of went started going darker and stuff. I think that's the Batman we know today and like year one and stuff and just like okay. I mean, but if it's like moments in the like the superhero's life and stuff, I just. The events around year one and starting to help out with Jim Gordon and stuff and getting that uh, kind of respect for each other. And then around the long Halloween and stuff like that, like when he starts really being Batman, like, like obviously it doesn't, to me, he doesn't become Batman as soon as the parents die. Right. A lot of other stuff has to happen. And he, he waits till he's 18. Excellent. Excellent. That clears up my, uh, that exactly what I wanted to hear about from both of you. So back to you guys. Okay. All right. Now, ding, ding, start start the battle. Uh, I don't think that's fair to say that, you know, 
that he had a mentor. I mean, he had uh, like Ra's al Ghul in, in some incarnations, but not all of them. Certainly not in year one. And he had Alfred, but and Alfred taught him how to fight and stuff, but he didn't teach him the 127 versions of martial arts that he knows. And like, he helped no. him like with becoming a detective and all that stuff. But who who was Batman's true mentor that really taught him everything? That why I mean he's took a little. He had Alfred. Everything. He had Gordon. Gordon didn't teach him how to Rod, be Batman. He, he was already had Batman. Batman had, name one person that Spider-Man hasn't had as a mentor. Name one single person. Not all one. Right, watch, watch an MCU movie. Tony Stark. <laughs> I was going to say, I was that's fucking bullshit. In every single comic book, if you read from 1962 till today, Spider-Man never has a mentor until fucking Kevin Feige got a hold of him. Yeah, but Tom Holland's your favorite Spider-Man, and his Spider-Man. Oh, not. I've said multiple times that Tobey Maguire is my favorite Spider-Man. Favorite correct there. Okay. Toby McGuire is great, but Iron Man was a mentor for him in the movies, and he's always had help from the Avengers. I'm not talking about the movies. That's why I didn't use the movie, the movie origin. Well, we got to talk about the origin that that Stan Lee wrote in the sixties. Characters in the movie too, though. I'm aware of that. I'm not using. He's had had a mentor in a couple different iterations. Batman's had people, he's had help, but I don't think he's had a clear... I mean, Alfred, but I'd say Alfred's a good... Like, he was the father figure and stuff. But Batman had to go do a lot on his own, too. His real mentors is money. I mean, Alfred literally builds the Batsuit, built all of Batman's gadgets, taught him everything he knows, taught him how to be a detective, taught him how to be stealthy. When Batman comes of age, he builds Peter most of created, his own shit. Peter made his own suit. He made his own web shooters. He does all the science shit and figures out all the science shit himself because he himself is an intellectual genius. Oh, Batman's not? Batman's not a genius? Spider-Man has a higher IQ than Batman does. I'll put money on that. No way. Batman's one of the smartest people in the DC universe. Spider-Man's not even talked about in that realm. Spider-Man has an even IQ as Reed Richards, and Reed Richards is considered to be the most intellectual and smartest comic book character across all comic books, and Spider-Man has an equal IQ as him. Okay, all right. We're going we're gonna to cut it here. Can I put a little devil's advocate here? Can I put a little yeah. Can I just... Um, you said he was the smart... He had the highest IQ. How can he have the highest IQ if somebody's equal to you? That's a good point. <laughs> okay. I, that's all I want. You know, that's just uh, a little Reed's word. only considered smarter because Reed's done certain things that makes him smarter, but considering on an IQ level, Peter's matches. Yeah, but then all he right, can't have the you. highest. <laughs> all right. Dude, when they take the IQ test, they match. They both have a score higher than 250. They have an equal right, score. So Look everybody it up. Back, so... to your, back to your corner. Shut <laughs> up. Oh, I got one more, Doug. I got one more, Doug. This is not the Miss America pageant. The judges should not get to ask questions. They yeah. should get, just give points. Point. Let them give some content. Well, yeah, exactly. I bet the people would love. I bet the people have you know the same questions. Then shut I'm up saying. and I make your point. One. Okay, I'm just so Bobby's over here talking about IQ, IQ, IQ. Where in the comic books does it say they went, sat down, and took IQ tests? <laughs> In the Fantastic Four crossover that Stan Lee wrote in the 70s, when Reed Richards so and Spider-Man were doing stuff together. So they sat down and took IQ tests together and came up with the results? 
Pete Richards straight up said in a dialogue bubble that he had the same IQ as Peter Parker. And he and Reed Richards even said himself that if Reed Richards went missing in the Fantastic Four, Peter's the only one he trusts to replace him. But to me, when you're talking about intelligence and like IQ and all, and yes, he's a great inventor, but Batman's the best at outsmarting everybody. He's outsmarted the entire DC universe. Yeah, he's multiple. the smartest tactician. He's not the smartest overall brain. But he's still inventing all these things. You said that Alfred oh, invented all the Alfred is. That's not true. No, that's not true. That's wrong. Okay. Alfred helps. Batman invents a lot of the shit. All right. Enough. <laughs> Shut up now. All right. Both of you. Calm down. Calm down, Rosie. All right. Now, judges, you listen to both points. You listen to both origins. Kenny, we're going to start with you. Who wins the round, Batman or Spider-Man? Well, I'm going to have to say, get down the arc. Something that, um, I don't think that Daniel could run it, but... I, the words I need to hear is great power. Kenny, you're cut now. Oh, fuck. I think that because he hit the, the, the quote, great power, great responsibility, that um, goes to Spider-Man because I don't think, I don't know if Daniel could have had a quote that would have done it, but that like that's the big deal, right? Like that's the main consistency out of all this, well, with the exception of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, all of the Spider-Men are great power, great responsibility. That's the idea. Great power, great responsibility. That's the moment, in the, you know, that's where he becomes a hero. So in, in that sense, it, it was better argued by Bobby. Okay. Kenny gives his point to Bobby. Nick, who are you giving your point to for the round? Uh, so based on the arguments of just the origin story, I feel like Dan argued it a little bit better because I don't necessarily think IQ was the most important thing, I guess, just based off of growing up in the origin of the story. So I would have awarded it to Dan. All right. Very good. By the way, as far as the IQ goes, in the first Fantastic Four movie, Reed Richards was called the world's dumbest smart guy. <laughs> Just figured I'd throw that out there. That was a one-off line, but yeah. Yeah, yeah but right. you're using the you're using the world's worst Superman or worst superhero movie as an example. Yeah, yeah. but it still happened. <laughs> All right, Tyler, who gets your point for the round? Well, I'm not even gonna say it was even close. Um, I'm gonna give it to Bobby. He just he the way I look at it. Dan rushed through it, and the whole point of the debate is to persuade me. And Dan just assumed that we all know every single last Batman, yada, yada, yada. You know, some of us do, some of us don't, whatever. But more of a, I want you to persuade me. I want you to tell me why the origin's better. His origin might be better, but the way Bobby explained it, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. He gave me details. He gave me this. He gave me that. Um, so I'm just going to have to go with Bobby just due to the fact he uh, explained a little bit better. But the IQ thing is stupid. Yeah, yeah, that was stupid. I knew getting him on here was a bad idea. All right, well. (laughs) Anybody against Dan is fucking biased. So anybody who votes against Dan. Oh, just when you pick Iron Man five times in a row. All right, go ahead, Doug. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, because Brad 
Sanders. You're the reason why we have three new judges. All right. You're uh, your round two. I don't even know if this was actually the round two you guys had planned, but we're just going to go right into uh, villains. Yeah. All right. So Bobby won the round. Therefore, Bobby gets to start. Talk about Spider-Man's villains. All right, Spider-Man's villains, I'm, a lot of you, I mean, I'm just going to start the argument by saying both Batman and Spider-Man's villains are probably two of the most well-known rogues galleries of all comic books, like, in the world. So I'm just going to go off and start with Spider-Man's arch nemesis, uh, the Green Goblin. Everybody, Mr. Norman Osborn, the guy who kills Aunt May. Dr. Octopus, the guy who is basically Spider-Man's, one of Spider-Man's, like, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, a mentor, but, like, somebody who helped him in, like, the classroom, like, in the science field. Like, someone who is, like, a professor, and he was, like, an intern for that person. And who ended up turning evil because of the mechanics and the suit that he was building for himself and made his brain turn evil, which we ended up getting Dr. Octopus. Mm, like a mentor. Uh, big bad one that everybody knows, uh, Mr. Eddie Brock, a.k.a. Venom. One of the baddest villains to ever appear in a comic book and in the movie, given that the movie versions are terrible. He's a very good villain, very strong alien symbiote. Uh, another alien symbiote that we all know that's way more devastating and way more ferocious than Venom is, and that is Carnage. Basically looks just like Venom. is the same kind of symbiote, except he's red and black instead of black and white. <clears throat> then you have the Rhino, which is this big Russian dude that morphs into this ginormous humanoid Rhino. He's a pretty basic villain. He's just a giant monster thing that rages through the city. Spider-Man has to stop him. Uh, Sandman is a dude that basically has his human matter converted into sand. So he is can make any kind of structure or anything out of sand. He can turn into a 500-foot building made out of sand. He can turn into a 500-foot monster made out of sand. Or he can just turn into a puddle of sand on the ground. Uh, another big bad one that we don't necessarily see against Spider-Man really in movies or TV shows. He's more or less pinned against other heroes, but if you read comics, he's a very big Spider-Man foe. He was even the big villain in the first Spider-Man PS4 game, and that is Kingpin, a.k.a. Wilson Fisk. He is a mafia gang member, kingpin kind of person who basically runs all of the underground crime syndicate in New York City. He even become he's kind of like the boss of all the villains in the city, like the Green Goblin and Hobgoblin and like Craven the Hunter and Mysterio and like all these other villains have to answer to kingpin. And then the one that we've seen recently in a movie is Mr. Michael Morbius. He's not really featured very much in the comics, but there's one that people may or may not know is a Spider-Man villain. Uh, the other one that I previously named is Hobgoblin. 
which is basically a, a mysterious spinoff of the Green Goblin that they came out with in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, another guy is named Scorpion. He's a dude that wears a scorpion suit, like a metallic tech suit that has a scorpion's tail on it, and he gets superhuman enhanced powers of a scorpion, essentially. And then my last and final one here for you guys is going to be Mysterio, which is a guy who is the master of illusions. He can basically make you see whatever you want to see using technology that projects optical illusions through projection. And those are my villains. Okay. Daniel, you're up. Talk about Batman's villains. All right. The thing about Batman and Spider Man has some good villains. He does have a he does have a couple good ones. What Batman has is a probably not even probably, definitely the greatest range of supervillain of any superhero. That's why he's got the best rose gallery, headlined by of course the Joker. We gotta talk about him. The clown prince of crime, the madman, the serial killer, the psychopath, the man behind the killing joke, the guy that shot Batgirl and turned her into a crippled, turned her and she had to start riding around in a wheelchair and she had to be known as Oracle after that. And she could no longer be Batgirl, obviously. Uh, Joker's a big one. He killed Robin with a crowbar, beat the shit out of him, fucking exploded the building. Uh, but you, it doesn't fucking stop or end with Joker, which I know Spider-Man's doesn't either. But after Joker, you have so many other fucking killers. You have tragic villains like Mr. Freeze, who's just trying to get his wife back. And he's just trying to find a way for his wife to live. But he's got to kind of rob and steal and do bad things to make that happen. And then he becomes a little darker because of that. And Clayface. Uh, who's this shape-shifting villain who's like a big mud monster, pretty much, and all he ever wanted to be was an actor. Uh, he's got a tragic story. Uh, you got some, like, weird ones, like the Mad Hatter, who's just this little guy that's, like, addicted to Alice in Wonderland, and he's got uh, these toxins that he uses. You got Scarecrow, who's got his fear toxin, and uh, he's just obsessed with making people scared, and Batman's got to battle up against that. He goes against a wider range of people. Uh, the Penguin, who's just a mob boss, you know, and in other variations, the Penguin's a little something else, but a lot of people's favorite, he's he's a mob boss, like Colin Farrell in the in the new movie, but and he and he runs shit, and he's just this little guy, but he, he's got armies behind him of mobsters. Black Mask is another crime boss who likes to slice people's faces off them. You got Victor Zaz who's kind of another deep cut, a serial killer that when he kills you, he etches. Italian to his skin uh, with a knife. You know, he just, he has so many good villains. He's got a cult leader in Deacon Blackfire. He's got the Court of Owls, who's this whole organization that's been in Gotham for centuries and centuries and never talked about the richest, most elite in Gotham. And then they plan to kill people so they can take their power. And they, they come out of the shadows and no one really, and it's supposed to be an old, like, myth. And they strike Batman out of nowhere. They almost have Batman killed multiple times, but he finds a way out. And he finds a way to beat him, of course, because he's fucking Batman. You have, like I said, a cult leader in Deacon Blackfire who had a mass amounts of people behind him. You got Man-Bat, who uh, this scientist, Kurt Langstrom, that fucking puts, him, puts a serum in himself. Uh, and he turns into a, a bat. And he's like a supernatural creature. He's fought uh, Ra's al Ghul 
who's the leader of the League of Assassins. They call him the Demon. He's immortal. He's got the he's a killer. He's got the League of Assassins behind him. He's got the Lazarus Pit, so where if he ever is about to die, he can jump in there and he's good to go. Uh, and he wants Batman to be his heir someday. So that's a, a whole thing. And Batman starts clapping his daughter's cheeks, but that's neither here nor there. Talia Ghoul could be considered a villain, too. You just you got so much to work with. You got the Riddler, who just wants nothing more than to prove I'm smarter than you. And that's a different type of villain. He doesn't doesn't care about world domination, doesn't always even care about killing people. In some iterations, he does have serial killer tendencies, of course. But the core of the Riddler is he just wants to prove to Batman that he is intellectually superior. And whenever Batman beats him, it drives him nuts and makes him go crazy. There's just, you got Hugo Strange, you, you just who's the main villain in Arkham City. A couple of our favorite games growing up. Uh, well, it's crazy to think that was growing up, that game. But, uh, there, and there, there's a few more, but I know we only have so much air time. There's more than a few more. Okay. All right. Let's ring the bell. Ding, ding. I mean, yeah, Batman's got a lot more villains. I definitely feel like Spider-Man's got a few, but Spider-Man's are definitely better because most of Batman's villains are just my bosses. Dude that run crime within a city, and a lot of Spider-Man's villains are super-powered, super-enhanced beings. They're not just regular dudes running crime in a city. He's got a few of those, but a lot of them are super enhanced beings. Like Kingpin, he's the same thing as the Penguin, except Kingpin's a seven-foot fucking behemoth of a human being with superhuman strength. The Penguin's just a short little fat fuck who has to get backed up by dudes with guns in the other room. Yeah, but he's also in... That's what Gotham City is, though. That That's Batman's story. That Batman is supposed to be on the streets fighting the scum of the earth that inhabit like a bad drug-ridden, crime-ridden city, and and he still fights super big, huge like Solomon Grundy, who's a hulking monster, who's basically like Frankenstein, and he st- he still fights yeah. people with superpowers. Very slim, a few of the bunch. I mean, when he's in the Justice League and shit, he fights beings with superpowers. I'll give you that. But for his rogue, his soul got them rogue gallery. Not a lot of those people are superpowered beings. Yeah, but he's been in a every incarnation. Are. All of he's Spider-Man's been... are superpowered beings. They all have powers. Yeah, Spider-Man so does face Spider-Man. the Hulk and Wolverine and people like that at times and is beating them. But but so does Spider-Man. Spider-Man has superpowers, too. And so it's it's more of an even matchup. Batman doesn't have powers, and he's still going up against gods and stuff with the Justice League. And he's been in every incarnation of the Justice League, or at least most of them. Maybe not like Justice League Detroit and the fucking throwaway shitty ones, spinoff ones. But every incarnation of the major Justice League, Batman's right there, Boyle. And he's going against Darkseid and the big boys, too. Literal gods that devour planets, and Batman's punching them in the face like it's nobody business. So I mean, Batman, yeah, Batman can okay. pretty much fight with Spider-Man. Spider-Man's out there going up against Kang the Conqueror, Modok, fucking Thanos. He's going up against his big bad too. He in the in the in Infinity War, Spider-Man was the one was the only one that was able to literally take the gauntlet with the stones in it off of Thanos' hand until Star Lord had to fuck that whole situation up. Yeah, he's he's fought some tough guys for sure, but the, that that doesn't take away the argument that Batman doesn't. 
That's like the bad man doesn't fight. My point, the point I was trying to make is if you put Spider-Man in Gotham and you have him fight all the Gotham villains, it's going to be a breeze for Spider-Man. If you put Batman in in New York with Spider-Man's villain, Batman will probably still beat a lot of them, but he's definitely going to struggle with Spider-Man's villains a lot more than he would with Gotham's. I completely disagree, and I think a lot of people would say that the Green Goblin was a rip-off Joker when he first came on board. Bro, Batman versus Batman versus Carnage, Batman versus Venom. Are you shitting me? That symbiote's gonna rip Bruce Wayne to fucking shreds. Batman's fought symbiote or symbiotes in DC before, and he's beat him. Hey, Batman's fought more powerful people than Venom and Carnage. Carnage is brutal, but. He's Batman's fought pretty much the whole DC universe. And we're talking about who these guys have fought. We'll be here all day. But and even main villains, Batman like he had like Raza Ghul ain't nothing to fuck with, and he's going to chop off limbs. All these people, oh, everybody, Ra's Ghul, no, Raza Ghul is nothing to fuck with. But if Spider Man had to fight Rod, Spider Man would breeze right through Raza Ghul like he was nothing. And I haven't no, even talked about some of the deep cuts like Professor Pig. This psychopath that grabs kids off the street and fucking turns them into, like, lobotomized zombies and then puts pig masks on them. Batman has to do a lot of... Because Batman does something that Spider-Man doesn't have to do a lot of because Spider-Man's got his, you know, uh, plot-powered uh, spidey senses. But Batman's actually got to do detective work. Batman's got to figure Batman's out what's going on. Batman's the most plot-armored so Batman... character written in a comic book. All right, well, let me finish my point. Batman's got to do all the detective work. Batman's got to figure out the crime and then go solve it. He doesn't just say, ooh, bad guy, and goes and fights. Batman, Batman's doing it, and he's got to go up against different type of people. You just like psychopaths in a different way, or just a drug lord, or someone like Pig, or someone like Clayface who, who's got his own motivations, and Mr. Freeze who just wants his wife back, and Batman doesn't even want to beat the shit out of Mr. Freeze because he feels bad for the guy. But he's still got to because Mr. Freeze is trying to fucking freeze a bunch of people in a bank to death and take all the money. Batman, Batman's Batman. got, to me, he's got more tragic Batman. villains. He's got characters with more depth, not just super-powered behemoths. It's easy. I mean, that's not fun to watch all the time. I like story. Batman's villains are like the daily, are like Spider-Man's daily little task that does during the day until a real problem arises. All right. Everybody back to the corners. Back to the corners. Ding, ding. All right. We've heard uh, both both points. We've heard the arguments. Tyler, who gets your point in this round? Uh, I'm going to go with Daniel. Um, Bat, Batman. And okay. just for the simple fact... Uh, Honestly, you guys were side-by-side when it just came to whistling off villains. The only thing I enjoyed that Daniel did a little bit more is he kind of did the origin of the villain for a couple of them. Instead of just rattling them off, he kind of explained who they were and then what they were. So, honestly, I think that's the only reason why I'm going to choose Daniel, just because of the little bit of the origin for the villain as well. Um, But... That's about All right. it. All right. Uh, Kenny, who gets your point for the round? Well, well to start off with, again, like, this is probably the hardest category. Um, there's so many, and, and actually this whole debate is hard because there are a lot of similarities between Spider-Man and Batman that we haven't even talked about. But, like, 
Spider-Man himself actually fought a, a good deal of nobody. They call the Magia in in Marvel Universe, but mafia guys like Silvermane and Hammerhead and basically just criminals. Um, but they didn't want to call them the mafia because they were a little afraid, you know, being they didn't want to be too real to have the real mob come after them. You know, the mob might be upset, but there's a about crossover, and, and like the one area I think that um, Daniel kind of pointed out was that almost all of Batman's villains are personal. Like where Spider-Man is often up against terrifying, you know, uh, villains, but they're not always personal villains. They're not people who like have. A, now there are a couple times, like the last hunt with Carvin. Craven, whatever the fuck is, you know, the Hutch guy, uh, that was personal. The, the thing with the Green Goblin is, like, it's so weird because sometimes it's personal, but sometimes it's generally not, it's not because he's a Green Goblin. Is the Green Goblin psychotic or is Norman Osborn psychotic? Are they the same wow. person? I would argue at their best, they're not. In the Spider-Man uh, with uh, Tobey Maguire. When that movie's interesting is when he's clearly two different people. Um, but I would say, again, the me, the Batman villains, and it's really close, but they just have a more personal, like, grit to them. Like, you know, Spider-Man is fighting, you know, has personal villains, but he's also fighting, like, you know, the Kree and the Skrulls or whatever. These, these like, uh, you know, eldritch horrors that really don't have emotion attached to them. Where almost inevitably at some point in a Batman's with his main gallery it's always a personal issue at some point. Whether it's because he's the only man that scares Bane or he won't laugh for the Joker or he's smarter than the Riddler. Uh, you know, whatever the issue is, it's always personal and I just easier to connect with. Alright. So your point goes Daniel. to Batman? Yeah, Daniel. Okay. All right. Nick, who's your point going to? Um, I'm also going to give my points to Dan because I agree with the other two that um, the Batman villains have more of a personal feel to it, and I agree that Dan did a good job of, like, explaining that, like, the personal side of it. Um, and yes, I, I do kind of agree with Bobby that, um, most of Spider-Man's villains are like ridiculously overpowered and he would probably be able to clap a lot of Batman's villains, but just based on the pure argument of like, it's not really Batman's fault. He can fight only like who's really in front of him. So I would also give the points to Batman because I just, I believe that, uh, the personal aspect of it kind of grabs me a little bit more as well. Okay. All right. Tied one, one. All right, Bobby wins the first round. Dan wins the second round. Round three, which I believe is uh, Powers, right? No, it's Best Stories. Best Stories? Yeah, we already did Powers with the origin. Okay. All right, Best Stories. Dan, you won the uh, last round. You're starting this round. All right. Uh, To me, this is kind of a give-me category, especially if you're a comic Fan. I mean, I know when we said we were going to do stories, we'll talk about the movies a little bit too. Batman's had some great movies and in all media, some of the best video games. I know Spider-Man's toe and toe with the PlayStation stuff, but the, that Arkham series is fabuloso. 
the animated series is still one of the best pieces of art to ever be put out there. But then if you go to the comics and you go to the Batman aisle, he has like probably more classic stories than anybody, including Spider-Man. Spider-Man has some good stories and he's been in some good crossover events and stuff. But Batman, as far as solo classic stories, I think takes the cake. One crucial villain that I forgot in the last round, but he headlines this event, so I got to bring him up. Hush, who's another personal, a childhood friend of Batman, who his parents were more abusive. They were rich too, but they were abusive. And Batman's parents, you know, were obviously great people. But Hush tried to kill his uh, parents when he was young. He cut the brake lines. But then uh, Thomas Wayne, Batman's dad, saved saved his dad because he was a surgeon after. And, uh, and then Tommy hated the Wayne family. That, that's uh, Hush's name, uh, Tommy Elliott. He hated the Wayne family forever. And then he comes back wrapped in bandages and calls himself Hush, has two badass guns. And that's a whole mystery. It's just finding out who Hush is. That's that story. And then the Riddler's behind it, and there's some other stuff. But... Hush is one of the most classic modern age Batman stories. Of course, you have Frank Miller's year one, which is the definitive origin. And Batman's got this thing with that where you have three stories that you can go to one after one after one. If someone went to me, like if Tyler, who's not a comic fan, came up to me and said, Dan, I I just want to get into Batman. Where do I start? I give him these three things and I say, have fun. You give him year one, the long Halloween and then dark victory. Some of the, you know, three best Batman stories ever wrote. Jeff Loeb wrote the the latter two, and Frank Miller did the one. But all three are very similar in story, and it, it very much feels like a continuation of one after the other. Uh, you have, like, Elseworlds stuff, even, like The Dark Knight Returns, that's out of continuity, but still one of some, everybody, a lot of people's favorite Batman thing ever, where he's beating the shit out of Superman like it's nobody's business, and he's got the big armored suit that uh, inspired Ben Affleck and all that. Uh, he's got Batman the cult where he takes down a whole, uh, whole cult and that cult leader, Deacon Blackfire I was talking about earlier. Uh, the, the war of jokes and riddles when Joker and Riddler get into a huge crime roar, uh, war and Batman's in the middle of it. He's been the center focal of huge universe spanning stories like the justice league tower of Babel, where he's got, a plan to kill the entire Justice League. He's got a plan. He's got contingencies to take out the entire Justice League. And Ra's al Ghul finds a way into the cave and he gets the plans and the Justice League start dropping. And it's Batman's fault. And they're all looking at Batman. And that's one of the best Justice League stories of the 2000s. Uh, it's written by Mark Wade, Tower of Babel. And Batman's like the center of it. Yes, he's he kind of fucked up in that story. But it also shows you anybody can fucking get it for Batman because any of those heroes could have went evil at any time and he's got a plan for him. Uh, I mean, that's pretty, that shows you his intelligence right there. But he's had uh, the Night of the Owls, even New 52, which is everyone's least favorite era in comics. He, his New 52 stuff is fucking awesome. That's when the Court of Owls is introduced. And there's a Mr. Freeze backup that's fantastic in that. Uh, he just city of Bane with the newer stuff. That was all right. But even modern day, James Tinian's run and introducing Ghostmaker and stuff. Uh, Batman, Batman's one of those guys that's consistently had really good writers from your Jeff Loeb's to your Frank Miller's to your Alan Moore's to your Grant Morrison, to Scott Snyder. 
Uh, I know that a non-comic fan, they wouldn't know a lot of those names, but that's comic royalty if you are a fan. Uh, any top 10 list, of a, if you look up top 10 comic writers, most of them have done something with Batman. Uh, that's their, a lot of people's favorite character. And uh, he's just he's got the library. He really does. Spider-Man's got a lot of cool shit going on, but I don't think that his storylines are as acclaimed as Batman's. I'll finish. I don't want to go on too long. I could, I could list 10 more stories. but. All right. Bobby, talk about Spider-Man stories. All right. Well, one, I'm going to start it off by saying uh, Batman does have those like big, those big stories, and much like how Batman's villains, you they're more personal to Bruce Wayne. Spider-Man's stories are more personal and more relatable to the reader than any Batman story is. Not every person out there that's reading comic books is some rich kid who lost their parents due to a tragic murder. And have to deal with the dark mental twists of that aspect and trying to be a superhero growing up. Most people who read comic books, especially during the era in the 60s when Spider-Man was released and was originally created, he's a young kid who struggles with his love life and dating because he's appeared as a nerdy kid who reads comics and he's super smart. So people like refrain to him as a nerd so like girls don't pay attention to him which is something that Stan Lee, when he written him way back in the day, or wrote him, not written him, pretty illiterate. Well, when he wrote him way back in the day. Uh, speaking of writers and stuff, Dan listed a whole bunch of writers and shit that people have probably never heard of unless you're a hardcore comic fan. I, myself, I do know all of the writers that Dan has mentioned. But most people in the world... Know who wrote Spider-Man, even if you're not a comic fan. Even if you don't know anything about comic books, more than likely you know who Stan Lee was. You know that Stan Lee wrote Spider-Man. Everybody knows who Spider who wrote Spider-Man. Stan Lee is one of the most infamous writers of all time, even outside of comic books. Stan Lee is like is one of the faces of comic of the comic book industry. And Spider-Man was one of those characters in given his story that he used as that platform to become that kind of writer because Spider-Man was that character that is very relatable to the audience that is reading Spider-Man's comics. And some specific stories that were like that, uh, especially his origins back in the day because they talked about uh, how he was this nerdy kid in school and uh, in, in the Cancel Anthology series, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the anthology series. I don't remember the exact name of the series that Stanley wrote, but it was in 1962 when he wrote it, and it was an eventually canceled series, but this was the series that basically done Spider-Man's first solo series, and it basically explains Peter's origin and how um, how he is as a person, more of Peter Parker before he obtains the powers of Spider-Man, it explains like, I believe how people that's just called The Amazing Spider-Man. That was his first solo run. The very first time he was introduced, it was called something else. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, Virginia Anthology series and some other and some other book. I'm, I don't remember what the name of that one was. Uh, anyway, uh, some other stories here uh, is the 1990s. 
Uh, everybody knows his name is Todd McFarlane. He's the one who created the character known as Venom that everybody knows uh, today. Uh, that's one of Spider-Man's most famous stories of all time. I'm, I'm sorry, it actually released in the late 80s, in 1988. Uh, it opens up with uh, terrified Mary Jane saying that there is a creature wearing a black Spider-Man costume that broke into their apartment, and she begins to feel that someone's following her. Uh, it turns out that an alien symbiote previously took over that was wearing Spider-Man bonded with Eddie Brock, and it was basically tormenting Spider-Man, so Spider-Man had to fight uh, Venom off. And the Todd McFarlane's art in that comic book is arguably considered one of the best drawn comic books of all time. I'm not saying it is the best one, but it's definitely in that top category of one of the best artworks of comics of all time. Uh, another one that uh, I really thought was a really good story that I read. I remember reading a long time ago, so forgive me if I don't remember some of the specific details because it's been a very long time. Um, it's called Spider Island, I believe is what the name of it was called. Uh, this, this lady named the Spider Queen uh, takes over Manhattan, takes over New York City, and she gives all the residents of New York City spider, or like spider powers and basically turns them into spiders. And everybody starts growing, like, limbs of spiders and extra limbs, and they start looking and start being, like, mutated spider-like monstrosity monsters within the city. Uh, and Spider-Man, even the Avengers were trying to contain all of the citizens being turned into these spider monsters, and the Avengers couldn't even control the amount of overwhelming crime that was happening in the city because of how superpowered the residents were. Spider-Man was the one who actually went and defeated the Spider Queen and returned all of the citizens back to their normal selves and saved Manhattan. Saved Manhattan from being turned into literal monsters. Uh, another really, really big one, um, which I seriously cannot wait for to officially be in a, move, a live-action movie. They kind of hinted at it with No Way Home, but... They didn't officially do it. That would be the Sinister Six storyline. Stanley and Steve Ditko did back in the uh, 1960s as well, shortly after the creation of Spider-Man. Uh, the Sinister Six contains of Dr. Octopus, Mysterio, Electro, Craven the Hunter, Sandman, and the Vulture. Uh, all of these villains, all six of these villains are trying to kill Spider-Man at one time, and Spider-Man has to literally fight all six of them off. Uh, by himself at one single time. In order for them to get to Spider-Man, the Sinister Six ends up kidnapping a girl named Betty Brant, and they end up kidnapping Aunt May as well to try to draw Spider-Man out. But instead of, like, gangs attacking Spider-Man, when Spider-Man shows up, they agree to attack Spider-Man one-on-one so they can each have an equal chance of defeating Spider-Man by themselves, which ends up not being a good idea because Spider-Man ends up defeating all six of them uh, one-on-one. And he ends up saving his Aunt May and the other lady named Betty Brandt. And this one right here is... One considered one of the best comics, solo comics of all time, and that would be the death of Gwen Stacy, the night that the Goblin killed Gwen Stacy, Spider-Man's first official love, way before Mary Jane Watson was ever brought in the comics. 
is that Love Sick kind of dabbled with this storyline and I in the Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 movies, which Sony massively fumbled the ball with those movies. I was basically um, just explaining Peter's love story and the way that she was killed. It was a very tragic and mental turning point for Spider-Man that kind of adapted him as a hero and kind of made him question his choices and the thing that then the decisions that Spider-Man's made throughout his life as Spider-Man, it's really made him sit back and question the kind of hero he is because whatever he was doing, it ended up resorting in the love of his wife being killed. So that that story right there, in my opinion, is one of the most important storylines if you're going to read Spider-Man is because that's another story besides Spider-Man's origin, given the great power comes to, or great power comes to great responsibility line in the original origin in 1960s, the, the, the death of Gwen Stacy is the other story that really establishes this character as, like, who he truly is as a, not only a hero, but as Peter Parker. All and right. just like, man, just like with Batman, Spider, I could go on and on. I could name 15 more stories. Spider-Man has thousands of stories, thousands of comics. All right, well... We're gonna we're gonna cut it there, and ding ding. All right, uh, and that whole I, he started listing off a couple titles to the end, but I, I wasn't really hearing titles of stories. I was hearing when stuff happens, and, and though, though that's a part of stories too. But that's what makes Batman stand out for me. You can just you can name like Death in the Family and Under the Red Hood, which is a very personal story for Batman, where his second robin chasing todd a little boy fucking dies and it's his fault he couldn't protect him he let the joker kill him and then the the kid comes back 20 years later in comics 20 years in real life time as the red hood to come back and terrorize him and be that's one of the most personal things you can get and he even told batman at the end of that story he's like i don't want you to kill anybody to face any of them uh fucking Riddler, I don't want to just kill him for taking me away from you. Like, there's just an emotional beat, and Peter does have it in some stuff, like Gwen Stacy when he couldn't protect his girlfriend. But, uh, <laughs> Batman, all, all of his stories, there's something to the heart. There's something deeper. And the relatability, it's great. And Peter Parker does have relatability to a lot of people. He's a teenage kid. And some people go to their comics, movie stories for relatability. Other people go to that certain thing for an escape. Sometimes you just want to read the best version of a story possible and just totally escape and not think about life and not relate to shit that sucks because not a a lot of people want to go back to high school all the time or relive being a kid living with uh, your aunt and having no money. No, No one wants to, not everyone wants to relate to shit like that all the time. Sometimes they just want, and you can relate to Batman because Batman becomes Batman because he's so alone. And a lot of people feel like that and alone and like they can't do anything against like the city and the bad people around them, but they just got to fight. And Batman's super relatable in that way. Yeah, he's rich. So that's not relatable to a lot of people, but it's also an escape. You want to go see a superhero because you want to see, you know, the magic, the spectacle. And Batman, for someone that doesn't even have powers, delivers on that tenfold in every story. Every story is just like, kind of a classic piece of literature. There's a couple of down ones. I mean, they both both of these characters have had stories for what, 60, 70 years? 
Batman's a little older, but they, they've both had stories for years and years and years, and they've never like gotten canceled or they they both have continuous stories over the years. But I just think Batman has way more quality. See, I definitely disagree. So I, the reason why I didn't name so many specific actual storylines because, like you said, they have so many. You could go on and on and on. If we want to sit here and list issues of each respective character, we'll be here for fucking hours. But yeah, I don't, I don't the, only reason why, the only reason why I only named a few is because I tried to more relate to the aspect of that Spider-Man stories are, are way more relatable than Batman's. Batman has a lot of great ones. You named a lot of great ones. A lot of Spider-Man stories are more relatable. That's, I really wanted to weigh in on that aspect that people feel can feel similar emotions when they're reading what Peter's feeling. They can feel and they can know and feel that same feeling while they're reading the book of what Peter Parker's feeling because they've more or less like lived something similar to that situation in their life. Whereas Batman, not necessarily because he's growing up against some big evil dude and not every single person in the world's parents have been tragically killed and they obtained an absolutely enormous fucking fortune in the business. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but Spider-Man also is going up against a big evil dude. You see him in, in school for like two panels in a book every time. Or you see you see him do a little thing with Mary Jane. Oh, I'm sorry, Mary. I'm, I gotta go. Don't go. <laughs> you know, but... They, they're both like, yes, the kid, he's a teenager and there's a lot of teenagers in the world and they relate to him. But ba- Batman, that, that darkness, a lot of people can relate to that too. And it's fantasy. It's not always about relatability. Sometimes people just want to see somebody beat fucking ass. And that's what Batman can provide. Yeah, and Spider-Man doesn't? There's and something about the, Spider-Man swinging through the city yeah. about to kick someone in the face that people love. If you want to sit here and talk about stories that more people love, I'll use 2002 Tobey Maguire's first Spider-Man movie as an example. Every single child in every country around the planet was in a Spider-Man costume because that movie came out during that time era. No one, that never really happened for Batman people. That's not true. People were getting tattoos when the Keaton movie came out. When Michael Keaton's Batman movie took over the world. So that did the first, first Batman movie. It was on every billboard, every commercial. There's, I still see billboards in around where I live now, where that fucking Spider-Man is still on the back of the drive-in theater screen at the local drive-in theater in my town. That Spider-Man is still there. It's still Toby's. After it's, thirty, almost yeah. thirty years now, it's still there. And, and that's more of our generation, so that's why you re- you remember that a lot more. But the fucking world went just as on fire in 1989 when the first ever Batman came out. People were getting the bat symbol fucking tattooed on them, for God's sakes, and they still do. But it, a lot of that started with that, and that's when they had the McDonald's toys and stuff, and they made fucking millions and millions, and not only box office, but merchandise off that movie. But Batman, when Batman came back, when they brought it from the 60s show, and then they made that big budget movie, with Burton and Keaton, Batman took over the fucking world, man. Uh, they, he was a huge pop culture icon. He still is. these are two of the biggest pop culture icons in, in uh, superhero history. I mean, I mean, Superman. If they were so movie. big, then why was the superhero movie genre dying at that time? Why was Spider- Why was Tobey Maguire's Why was Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movie the one that really brought comic book and superhero movies back to the big screen and made it people realize that this was a good idea? Because of technology. 
the technology How do you wasn't say quite that there. when the last Batman movie came out like what? Two years before, three years before that. And how did the effects look in Batman versus Robin? The technology not, was I'm there a lot more in 2002 movie. than even 98. Technology in movies and VBX and all that shit changes year on year. It just keeps getting better and better. Batman, it did take over the world because no one just, like, they weren't rushing to do another one because movies weren't being made at a fast frequency as they were even in the mid-2000s. Now it's like, holy shit, it's like every month there's another Marvel movie, right? But back then you had the uh, fucking Christopher Reeve Superman movies, and then you had this Batman deal, and people were just going, like, the whole world was going to see it. And yes, you didn't have a bunch of superhero movies, you know, made after that, but you didn't really need it. You had the definitive versions at the time. And Marvel wasn't really in the position because I'm pretty, that's in the 90s is when they started struggling financially and shit. And then obviously they fucking came back from that because they're huge now. But movies just weren't getting made like that back in the day. But Batman in 1989, I feel like that had just as much of a cultural impact. And the Dark Knight trilogy, fucking oh my God. That, that's what made people love superhero movies again. If you, you know, weren't on the Marvel side of things. All right. Ding, ding. Back to the corners. All right. That was round three. Need some water. Uh, you know what, Nick, let's start with you. Who's getting your point for round three? Um, I think I'm going to give the points to Bobby because I thought, like, the overall, like, depth that he went through and how he was, like, not to harp on the personal thing, I did kind of agree that I feel a more personal connection towards, like, Spider-Man just because of the whole nerdy vibe and, you know, not always being, like, super popular and still just, like, getting through life and doing his thing. Because that was a little more relatable to, like, how I felt. Um, I also just think, in general, it was a little more uh, persuasive. I do agree with Dan's... uh, the the Red Hood thing that he was talking about. Um, I'm not super knowledgeable about that character because I'm kind of more of a casual guy, but I thought that was a really good point that he made, but I think I will still give it to Bobby for overall on this one. Okay. All right. Tyler, who gets your point? Who gets your point? All right. Um, yeah, just to go off of Nick, you know, the relating with the character <clears throat> definitely does play a big role in me too, because both of my parents are dead. So I will have to go with Daniel. But um, I, I will say, Bobby almost brought it back to me from the date. Um, I, I enjoyed the facts of everything, but it sounds like you're reading it from a book. And in the I just in the debate, you give more emotion with the facts. And I feel like if you gave more emotion with those facts, I would have 100% swayed it to you. But um, it's it's just the uh, you know more emotion into it. You know, they you don't have to read from a text, which Dan has. Dan's very well putting the emotion into the facts as well. All right, so so your point goes to Dan. Yes. Okay. All right. Kenny, Kenny, who gets your point? All right. So this was probably, out of the, out of the argument so far, this was probably the one that was all equal and, like, both of the guys did the thing right, did it well. Um, they both kind of had the weaknesses. 
um, Bobby pulled it out for me because he did. And he, it, it, but waiting to the end, he mentioned Gwen Stacy. Had he not mentioned Gwen Stacy, this would have been not even a, 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 a doubt who got the point. But when he mentioned, it, I'm like, oh, you got me there. However, at the same time, mentioning that story and not mentioning the import of the fact that Spider-Man, it is Spider-Man's actions that kill her directly. That kill her. Not not that just that he was the cause of her getting in the fight, but his webbing of her leg or whatever snaps her neck. It, like, at the same time as it was good to hear, I wanted to hear more of that. Um, Daniel could have used more of that too. I almost, I don't want to be, I know I have to be the tiebreaker, that's pointless. <sighs> um, solely on the basis that I felt I really, this is tough, guys. You guys are fucking doing a good job. Um, uh, I, I, at this point, this point, I'm just going to flip a coin, I guess. So I can't, I can't fucking pick. No, I'll pick. I have to go with, um, I got to go with uh, Bobby, because he, he hits on some points there that, Although not necessarily in the category itself, added to the overall idea. Now, where I will say, I think there's a weakness in this argument is you, Spider-Man is so integral, and in all the the Marvel like events are events that span everybody. Everybody has to be involved, right? Like, well, you can't say this isn't. You know, there might be a book in there, Spider-Man Civil War, or whatever. Where usually the DC events are like contained, like okay, City of Bane was just a, simply a Batman. Yeah, it was a big deal, like in, in terms of continuity, but it was just simply a Batman thing. Where Spider-Man is always involved in these, like he's always going to be involved with Captain America or the Justice, or you know, Shield, or like these these global expanding stories, which are which. Is to his detriment and to his, uh, um, I guess you'd say. All right. So Bobby wins this one two to one. He is right now in the lead two to one as far as the rounds go. If he wins the next round, he wins the debate. Uh, next round is Feats. Bobby, you won the last round, so you start this round. Feet as in right. what? Uh, like, feet for your casual comic book like uh, Bobby, explain, explain to Laurel and Hardy what feats mean. <laughs> okay. Feats like what? Feats is, is uh, what comic book fans would refer to as a very strong moment, like a powerful moment, like a, a moment where it showcases a massive amount of strength, durability, or intelligence. Okay. Specifically, like, in the Snyder Cut when Superman showed up and took the axe fling from uh, Steppenwolf and then destroyed Steppenwolf. That would be considered a feat. Or like the Flash running so fast he reverses time. That's a feat. All right, so uh, to start off my Spider-Man feats, 
this is one of my personal favorite ones. Uh, this is something Spider-Man has done more than once, so this could technically be considered as more than one feat because he's done it multiple times. Is Spider-Man has both stalemated and defeated the Hulk. One, an infinitely strong character in comics who is known to have infinite levels of strength given the amount of rage that he is currently in. Uh, Spider-Man has beaten him multiple times. He's beaten him with both physical force and he's beaten him on a mental level. And he's he showcased incredible, incredible strength having to fight somebody of that nature. Uh, another one that he's fought, he's defeated uh, Wolverine which is somebody who has a basically invincible skeleton and an absolutely insane healing factor. So that basically if you shoot Wolverine, he's going to instantly heal from the gunshot wound and spit the bullet out seconds later. Like that's how fast Wolverine can heal. And Spider-Man managed to defeat him by webbing Wolverine up into a cocoon and webbing Wolverine's claws and fists to the side of Wolverine's head. So if Wolverine extracts his claws, he'll end up killing himself. Another big one, and I mentioned this earlier, actually, um, when I was talking about the Infinity War moment. Uh, in the Infinity War movie, which I'm assuming that a lot of you have seen, uh, in the in the scene where Iron Man, Star-Lord, I believe Doctor Strange is in that scene, too, and Spider-Man, they're all fighting Thanos at the same time. And while they're all fighting them, Spider-Man manages to take the gauntlet that has, I believe, five of the stones, or it actually does have all six at the time. He manages to take the gauntlet off of Thanos' hand, but Star-Lord happens to fuck the situation up by toying with Thanos, and Thanos manages to grab the gauntlet and put it back on. But Spider-Man did actually remove the gauntlet off of Thanos, and that is an incredible feat, given how Thanos wearing that gauntlet could literally destroy the universe. Uh, There's an amazing Spider-Man series, um, Back in the day, um, he was very weakened and concussed, and he managed to one-shot someone named Alistar Smythe, who was also known as the Spider Slayer, someone who was basically his sole purpose is to slay the spider. He managed to one-shot him. Uh, There was another scene where in the Amazing Spider-Man Carnage series where Spider-Man managed to punch the rhino, which I previously explained the rhino is like this eight-foot monstrosity of a human being who's basically a humanoid symbiote of a rhino. There is a human that is the size of a rhino, but he's like eight feet tall and has insane strength. Spider-Man managed to punch him through multiple stories of a building with one punch. Uh, Spider-Man is able to easily break through steel doors that are uh, two inches reinforced steel uh, from two inches to two feet. Uh, There was another scene where the Daily Bugle, the newspaper thing that J. Jonah Jameson works at, where Peter Parker in his days, well, he works at when he's not Spider-Man. There is a comic where that building manages to collapse And Spider-Man manages to get underneath the building, and he manages to hold the building up so the building doesn't collapse. So Spider-Man is literally holding up a skyscraper building in New York City by himself using his own pure strength. Uh, And this is one of my favorite ones, Uh, a couple of these ones. Uh, Spider-Man 
manages to yank Milnir out of Thor's hands as Thor throws it. So using his web, as Thor is about to throw Milnir, his hammer, at somebody, and everybody knows that nobody can move, pick up, or move Thor's hammer unless you're worthy enough to move it or pick it up. That's a known thing that nobody can touch it besides Thor and, and Captain America because they're the only known ones that are worthy to pick up the hammer. In this comic, Spider-Man manages to take Mjolnir out of Thor's hand as he's about to throw it, and he just yanks it right out of his hand. Uh, there is another, there's another one, too, where he's strong enough to redirect Mjolnir while it's already flying with his web. So while Mjolnir's flying through the air, Spider-Man has the strength and the ability to grab the hammer while it's flying with his webs and be able to redirect the hammer and throw it in a different direction. Which is an incredible feat given the spell that's on the hammer that only, if you're worthy, you can pick it up. Spider-Man is able to move faster than microwave waves, like waves of microwave radiation. Spider-Man can move faster than that. And his Spider-Man spider senses are able to react in under a microsecond. And there was an also another time where Spider-Man was able to use his spider senses to tactically defuse a nuke. All right, Bobby, I'm, I'm Bobby. I'm cutting you off here because we are going to start to run short on time soon, and we still have a whole nother round after this. I wish to take that okay. right here. Uh so, all right, Daniel, you're down. You're down one. Yep, back against the wall. So, convince these people, or well, don't convince them yet. Just talk about your uh, talk about the feats first. Well, I'm going to do both because the thing to realize about Batman and Spider-Man and their individual feats, which you can say Batman's overwritten, overpowered, uh, understandable, makes sense. But it was still written, and it was still a story that was published, so nah, nah. Batman's feats are a hundred times more badass because he's just a regular dude. Spider-Man's got superpowers. This is all, you know, th- that's his deal. He's a superhero. He's supposed to be doing shit like that. The beauty of Batman is that he's not supposed to be able to beat Superman, but he does. He's beaten Superman numerous times, uh, once using his intelligence by throwing Lois Lane off a building because he knew fucking Clark would stop the fight and jump right down to save her. Another time by just creating a badass suit of armor, filling it with kryptonite and fucking that dude up. He's had huge, to me, he's had way more intellectual feats than Spider-Man because he created a whole earth-spanning satellite called Brother Eye because he was so paranoid that anybody could turn evil at any point. So he did it to spy on the entire world, including the Justice League and all of his friends. Like I said, he had contingencies, and he had plans to kill every member in the Justice League, if need be. Uh, He beat Darkseid at the end of Final Crisis, which we all, I like, Bobby mentioned the Snyder Cut, Darkseid is probably the greatest villain and most powerful villain in the DC universe. You think Marvel, you think Thanos nowadays, you think DC, you think Darkseid. And who beat Darkseid at the end of their, one of their biggest events? Was it Superman? No. Was it Wonder Woman? No. It was Batman. It was the regular dude who made a, a radiant, radiate, uh, radiation bullet and a gun. And he just had a gun and he shot Darkseid. The most powerful 
the ruler of his own planet. Batman beat him. Batman also went through a 28-hour gauntlet where he just fought the most ruthless gutter snakes in fucking Gotham. Even supervillains were coming at him, and he just kept fighting people for 28 hours, did not lose one fight, and didn't kill a single soul because that's not who he is. He doesn't kill people. You know, he's fought with, like, every, like, major supervillain in D.C., He's resurrected people. He resurrected Martian Manhunter using Flash's kinetic energy because he thought of the plan. Flash didn't even know he could fucking do that. He recreated the Lazarus Pit, which he used, you know, science and the materials that Ra's al Ghul used to recreate the Lazarus Pit. It's a Lazarus resin, which is uh, a big deal in the comics, especially now. And that, like I said earlier, that's a pit that can resurrect you. If you fall and die and someone throws you in the pit, you come back and you're ready to go. Batman recreated that on his own intelligence, which how the fuck do you even do that? Uh, He's just, he's had physical feats too. I mean, like facing like deadly assassins and people that are known not to miss shots like Deadshot and Deathstroke and to dodge every single bullet takes next level agility. Just the fact that this is a regular dude who, and he's got 127 forms of martial arts and combat. He's trained with everybody in DC. He can pretty much go one-on-one, hand-to-hand with literally anybody. Uh, to me, his just feats are just ten times more impressive because he's just a guy. Uh, there's this big villain, uh, Prometheus. He's mainly an Arrow villain, but he came across Batman a few times. He's got this helmet that uh, it's basically designed and programmed to know all these other uh, move sets. He's got a bunch of other move sets and a bunch of other forms of martial arts, and he can, you know, uh, copy people's moves sometimes. Uh, Batman reprogrammed the helmet so he had one move set of one person, and that person was Stephen Hawking. Genius move, and then Batman beat the shit out of him. Uh, he's just, he's had so many of these moments to where, like, that's like a meme. Like, people are like, Batman shouldn't be able to do any of this. No, he shouldn't. But he does, because he's fucking Batman. Because I'm Batman. Uh, he sat on the... He became the god of knowledge when he sat on the Mobius chair. Which not... Just a regular slouch cannot sit on that chair. Uh, the god Neron, I believe, uh, he got killed, and Batman sat on the Mobius chair. And he became the god of knowledge. He also beat... Ares, or DC's version of Ares, the god of war in a story, and he became the god of war for a spell. And you name a badass thing, Batman's done it. And he's also done intellectual feats as well. I'm good. All right. You're good? Yeah. All right. Let's uh, start the arguing. Ding, ding. All right. First of all, Batman can't beat any of those people without getting a material that is a known weakness to those characters. Even back in the day when they did the Marvel and Spider-Man crossover, even though Spider-Man ended up losing to Superman, Spider-Man, Superman struggled with Spider-Man for a bit because of Spider-Man's strength and speed. Batman, if he didn't have kryptonite, Batman, Superman would turn Bruce into an absolute pile of fucking dust to wherever he was standing. Batman can only beat these people because he obtains materials that are known to weaken their bodies. So he does have an advantage to beat them. And yeah, yeah Batman those... has... 
he has to prep for all these things to obtain these feats. He needs the prep time, whereas Spider-Man has the intelligence and preps and thinks of these things in the middle of the fight. Batman has to spend weeks or months or hours prepping for these fights, while Spider-Man can think of everything that Batman thought of during the fight and pull it off during the fight. Batman kills Darkseid in the middle at the end of the battle. He didn't prep for nothing. Yeah, Batman, because he, he went and obtained a bullet that was known as Darkseid's weakness from Darkseid's Planet of the Apocalypse and shot Darkseid with it so they could kill him. He obtained, yeah, he, and first of all, it's called a radion bullet, not radiation bullet. If we're going to use it as an argument, pronounce it correctly. Right. <laughs> yeah, but Batman's actually, like, he, he still has done these things, though. And these materials aren't on eBay or anything. He's actually got a, he's not a regular slouch. You can't order them and Instacart it to your house. Fucking Batman's got to do big prep and big research to get them. And he's got to go to different locations to get them. And also the way yeah, he, exactly. beat, he, he can just do... beat, he can, no, wait, finish. He can beat Wonder Woman without using any type of material. He can beat Aquaman without using any type of material. He used a radioactive drug to get into Aquaman's head one time to uh, make him afraid of water. And that wasn't, that's not Aquaman's known re- weakness. That's a material, but that's not his known weakness. It, it is like back, back, way back in the day, but not in any current continuity. And he did that. So Aquaman would be afraid of water and he's fucking going nuts and going crazy on land. Batman could beat people in hand-to-hand combat. He's known as the greatest. I would definitely. I, Spider-Man is definitely arguably considered the greatest hand-to-hand combatant in, in comics because of his spider senses and the fact that he also, as well as Bruce, knows over a hundred different forms of martial arts and has created his own because of his spider senses. He has created multiple forms of martial arts because of the ability spider abilities, and it gives him. Massive physical abilities over Bruce. Therefore, he can do way more acrobatic and martial arts and offensive strikes and stuff than Bruce ever could imagine. Batman doesn't have spider senses, and he still beats people's ass. He does all this stuff without powers. That's still one debate that you haven't debunked, and you can't. You, all you can say is, oh, Batman's overpowered. That's all anybody can say. But Batman's done all this thing as a regular dude. And he shows up most of the people with superpowers and the godlike beings. And there's a reason that he's one of the leaders of the Justice League. Name me a story where Spider-Man leads all the Avengers. Secret Wars. He's the leader of the Avengers? No way. He's one of the leaders. There's but he's not the panels leader where he's leading people in the battle. He's not the leader of the main group of Avengers. I've read Secret Wars. <laughs> he's not the leader of the Avengers. Batman has led the And if you watch the Ultimate there. Alliance Spider-Man cartoon, there's even there's that there's part of it where he's one of the leaders of the Avengers. In the current MCU, Spider-Man is seen to be the replacement of Tony Stark, who's the leader of the Avengers. There's not yeah, he's going to be leading She-Hulk and shit. That's great. But that's not even that's not even set in stone yet. So that's not an argument to be made. That's that's a plan. We can't argue a plan. And just like Batman has a contingency to stop everybody in the Justice League, Spider-Man also has a contingency to stop other heroes, including a plan that would kill the Hulk. Where, who is where, known to where be, though? Where's, where's Spider-Man's Tower of Babel? Well, let's get receipts. Well, what story I'll did he have? The whole 
Huh? You can do your own research. I'll give you the comic book where they tell you that he has a contingency plan to stop all the heroes, including a plan to kill the Hulk. It's Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 2, Number 54. Okay. I just wanted some sort of receipt. Uh, we'll, we'll look it up after the fact. But to me, Bat- Batman's feats are just, they, they mean more. Spider-Man's done some cool shit, but Spider-Man's, there's other people that have done shit like that. Sp- Superman is another one. Superman and Spider-Man can go right up because those are big, powerful feats. Batman has the intellectual ones mixed in there. When has Spider-Man truly, truly outsmarted somebody? And why didn't you list it first? Truly, truly outsmarted. He's outsmarted Tony Stark on several occasions. There's a super massive weapon of destruction that Tony Stark couldn't build, so he had to get the help of Peter to build it because Tony wasn't smart enough to build that certain weapon. Uh, There was another one where it's a certain type of astral science. It's some sort of different type of, like, I don't exactly remember what it's labeled as, but it's like a type of science that it's completely foreign. Like, Tony Stark can't even understand it, and Peter Parker is the only person in the Marvel Universe that can understand it. Peter Parker has, like, some of the highest recorded IQs, and he's beaten Reed Richards in multiple things, and Hank Pym even considers Peter Parker to be his intellectual superior. But I mean, like, getting the one-up on your opponent and everybody else. Like, at the end of, like, when Batman's evolved with something, you're usually at the end of the issue or at the end of the book or the story thinking, wow, Batman's the smartest person here, and no one else can really fucking even run with him. What, when has that happened with Spider-Man? I don't think it exists. I don't any think everyone's time Any single time Spider-Man's in a battle, he has to do that because he has to scientifically break down the equation of how to beat the other opponent. And you said Every, it earlier, even. Spider-Man's best so, when he's vulnerable. Yeah, he is vulnerable, and that's one of his weaknesses is because he makes himself vulnerable and he makes the people around him vulnerable. That's one of his weaknesses. But besides the yeah. fact is. Batman's best when he's fucking pulling off badass feats. I think Spider-Man's not best when he's doing all the cool shit. He's best when he's reacting to shit going wrong in his life and shit. And that's the best, most compelling Spider-Man stories. Batman, you, you read for the cool stuff to happen. At least once in the every feats story. and stuff, you go for Spider-Man. Because, like, if a building falls and it's full of people, Batman can't save that building from falling. He can't sit there and hold the building down from falling. Spider-Man can literally pick buildings up and hold buildings together and save hundreds, if not thousands, of people from their intimate deaths. He'll use that grappling hook and try to save every motherfucker in that some bitch, though. Yeah, like that one little grappling hook has the ability to hold up a skyscraper. Spider-Man can hold up a skyscraper with his with his body. Go ahead, Doug. All right, ding ding. Let's end the round now because you know we've only got about a half hour left. Mm -hmm. So, all right. You've heard the uh, the explanations. You've heard the arguments. Kenny, who does your point go to? And we'll try to keep it under three minutes. Okay, very short, very simple here. We're in the heart category because both guys have suffered from massive power creep because Batman joined the Justice League, so now he has to be the man who can think of everything. And apparently the proportionate strength of a spider includes a spider now being able to uppercut a bulldog three feet in, you know, three, three, three stories of a building. So there's a lot of power creep there. I have to give it to, and again, this is, again, technical debating here, although, again, you know, Batman's my favorite and everything. 
technically debating. The one thing I didn't hear in his opening or his, his debate part from Bobby when he talked about it earlier was the technical, the, the intelligent achievements of Spider-Man. It was all about his strength, all about his strength. Daniel hit both strength and intelligence, so therefore Daniel gets the point. All right. One point for Daniel in this round. Nick, you're up next. Who gets your point? Um, I'm giving uh, the point to Bobby because I, in regards to, like, I thought this was a good topic because, uh, like, the the main thing was, like, like Batman, like, his feats were more of an intellectual thing and Spider-Man's were more physical. I think the re- the main thing that really sold me was, like, when Bobby pointed out that at the end of the day, if, like, a building is collapsing, Spider-Man can just use sheer force of will in his own body to, like, stop the building and save everybody, where in, like, a similar scenario i don't batman wouldn't be able to i'm sure he'd have something i guess that could help but he wouldn't be able to just use sheer brute strength to stop the building from falling so i i would say that's mostly why i give it to bobby okay all right skidmore who does your point go to in this round let me just get something out of the way uh the attack for you know mispronunciation of daniel with whatever he was talking about Shouldn't even said it because you don't even know how to pronounce Thor's hammer. It's me, Yolnir, not whatever me. It's Milnir. It's literally how they pronounce it in the movies. No, it's not. Milnir. You're not going to argue Norse <laughs> mythology, which you've been studying it for years. You're wrong. That's not how it's pronounced. Watch but, the movie anyway, how every single actor right. pronounces it. Tyler. No, you're wrong. Uh, anyways, it's going to Daniel because... <laughs> First of all, Dan, just <clears throat> his facts are more accurate. Bobby, when he debates, is more of a trust me, bro. Not really legitimate sources. It's just more like, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. And that, that's not a debate. That's not what people listen to for a podcast. It's I want to hear facts, and I don't want you to be like, oh, no, trust me, bro. Or you're wrong. That's dumb. So definitely Daniel. All right. So we're all tied up in the rounds. Two rounds, Daniel. Two rounds, Bobby. This last round. By the way, I said it was a good idea to have him on earlier, right? Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, you definitely uh, you fought for this. Uh, well, come on. I'm looking at the standpoint of the audience. The audience well, wants I think to listen being... to a debate. They don't want to listen to some bore fest reading from a book, wrote down notes. I want to hear good-ass debates. You know what I mean? And the audience is wants to listen to that too and we don't want to know you're wrong no you're wrong we want to be professional we want to listen to the other side and we don't want low blows i mean nothing besides the debate all right he he makes a tremendous point tyler skidmore king of the debates he's actually going to be running uh, the presidential debates uh you know for the 2024 election should have got him as the host he might remember the round i know (laughs) uh but uh all right so round number five is who would win in a fight. Now, instead of, you know, you both giving your points, what do you want to do? Here's what we're just going to do. Just argue the shit out of this whole thing. Okay. Just debate straight up. All right. You know, just go back and just do the back and forth because I think that's what you guys did on the last one. Okay. So just do your back and forth. Everybody pay attention. Well, in this time... Oh, yeah, by the way, ding. Any Batman fan will ask, 
does he have prep time? Because Batman with prep time, and I'm not going to keep saying that because that is the, the go-to defunct debate. Is if he's got time, Batman can beat anybody. But he can concoct a contingency, and he can concoct a plan to deal with Spider-Man. I just know he will. I mean, you, you, like, how can he not? Spider-Man can be easy to deal with in some situations, especially if you hit him emotionally. The minute you fuck with Mary Jane or Aunt May or anybody he loves and cares about, he becomes one of the weakest superheroes because all he cares about is protecting that person, and he lays the guard down. And you can do it. I solely disagree. I solely disagree, and I use No Way Home as an example. When Goblin killed May, that was the only time we've ever seen Spider-Man ever lose control and start to not pull his punches and went absolutely apeshit on Green Goblin at the end of the movie. Yeah, that proves my point. He lost all his he lost control. <clears throat> if Batman were to take May out or take Mary Jane out, he's going to absolutely get his shit kicked in by Spider-Man. He's not killing her, though. He can throw her off the building like he did with Lois and Superman. Fucking Spider-Man's going to with... save that person. See, that's the thing, though. With Superman, with Superman, Superman has to fly down and catch that person from falling to save them. Spider-Man can just shoot a web at her and web her to the side of the building and then keep that's whooping on Batman. That's how Gwen Stacy died. <laughs> we just, we already went over yeah, that. No, he, no, he, he webbed her ankle and tried to fall, save her from falling down a bell tower. If you web the person to the side of a building, their whole body up against the side of a building, they're not going to fall and break their neck. They're just going to be stuck to the side of a wall. But who knows how much time you're going to have, too. All I'm saying is the way to Spider-Man is through his heart. And I don't, I don't think that can be debated too much. Because he's no, the vulnerability is what makes the character. And if you can get that kid vulnerable and you can get him in his emotions, you can beat him. He is beatable. To whereas Batman, good luck getting him in his emotions. Good luck getting him vulnerable. Because Batman's See, Batman's backup to beating people who are Batman's backup to beating people who are stronger than him is he obtains a material so he can depower or lower the strength of the other person that they're opposing. What element does Spider-Man have that's going to weaken his abilities? Right, name one. There's not a single thing out there that'll make Spider-Man weak. In order for Batman to beat Spider-Man, he's going to have to somehow or another remove Spider-Man's spider powers from Peter in order to beat Peter Parker. That's the only way Batman will be able to defeat him is by removing Spider-Man's powers. And there's not really much, very many ways to do that. You can get him tied up. Bruce can't just go out there and obtain a rock of kryptonite and make a shotgun made of kryptonite and strike him with it, and all of a sudden he's super weak. It's not going to do shit to Spider-Man. Bruce has to get over the fact of... Spider-Man's spider senses, which are arguably one of the most overpowered superhero like powers in all comics. Those spider senses are absolutely overpowered. He can, Spider-Man can be blindfolded, and his spider senses can pick up on danger that's around him and can dodge it for him. Like he doesn't even have to think or dodge for his spider senses do it for him. His spider senses can sense Doctor Strange's astral form when it's around. They can, but he's Spider-Man also been beat up before. Spider-Man can die. Spider-Man's yeah. not immortal. Spider-Man's been beat up and has died, but to characters who are insanely powerful and strong, like the Hulk and Galactus and people of that nature, people who are absolutely overpowered and way above Spider-Man's power level. Bruce Wayne is not above Spider-Man's power level. If those two fought on the streets, it would be a it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a walk in the park, but Spider-Man's not losing that fight at all. Spider-Man's lost he's, to, like, He's enemies. way too quick. He's way too fast. He's way too agile, way too acrobatic. He's way stronger than Bruce. 
His proportionality of a spider that gives him strength gives him the ability to lift up to 10 tons, which is 20,000 pounds. Way too quick. You got the Flash. Batman's beaten the Flash a couple times. Who's quicker, the Flash or Spidey? I don't. You don't even have. Batman was able to. Batman was able to use a a weapon that had the 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 charge of the Flash in it to remove the Flash's powers from him, so he could defeat him. Like I said before, there's not a weapon that Bruce could make that would remove Spider-Man's powers from him. He's but he's beaten Reverse Flash, Edward Thon, hand to hand. Wouldn't wouldn't know. He's beaten him hand to hand. It's happened. And strong, way stronger. He's beaten Superman. Way, way stronger. Because He's beaten the likes of Wonder Woman. Bruce has never beaten Superman hand-to-hand without the help of Kryptonite. There's no way. It wouldn't even affect Superman. It would yes, just, he did. Superman would just eat the punch. He beat him in Hush without the Kryptonite. That was with throwing Lois and shit, but he still got the upper hand on him. If in combat, like, Spidey's got his senses, and Batman does have his prep time, but Batman also can think quick on his feet. It's not Spidey's senses, but he's still got that killer instinct, and he can make something That's happen out of nowhere. The goal is would all be, about taking on his feet in the middle of his battle. Like I said earlier, Batman has to prep for the battle and prep time and study and do research on his enemy before he fights them. Spider-Man does all of that during the battle. Well, you're just telling me that Batman's well-prepared and, you know, Spider-Man's a lazy asshole in his downtime. That's Spider-Man's not lazy. He has the, he has the intelligence, but he doesn't have to take Batman's that prep time. The he worst, just jump man. in and save people's lives and then solve the problem while he's people's lives and then fix the issue. Batman's doing the fucking work at home, making, making the mission happen. And how many times in any cartoon, in any form of media, maybe not in the movies, but I've seen so many cartoons and comic panels where Spider-Man's tied up in a lair somewhere. It ain't that hard to tie the kid up and get the jump on him. And Batman can get that kid tied up. With the amount of grappling hooks and the wires and ropes that he has, he can get the kid tied up and get the upper hand. He's not going to try to kill him anyway. Neither of these guys, that's the thing about this fight, neither of these guys are going to try to kill each other. That's their code. But Batman could get Spider-Man tied up, and he could get the jump on him, especially if he fucks with that heart at all. You can't mess with Batman's heart in battle. Batman's thinking strategically, mind. Spider-Man's just thinking about the fight at hand. Batman's thinking, how can I ruin this kid in the moment so I can get the upper hand and win? Whereas Spider-Man's just focusing on fighting. Batman might be thinking about a mental thing or something he could do. Spider-Man's not just... No, Spider-Man is not just thinking about fighting. If that's what you're thinking, that's where you're massively wrong. Spider-Man has a lot going on in his mind, just like Batman does. Spider-Man's thinking way more about the bigger picture is than he's focused on the enemy that's in front of him. Where, though? Where? where? Like, how is he... Have you, did how? you not watch the movie? Did you not watch Spider-Man Far From Home, where he had to yes, fight material, where he was basically not, not even paying attention to the illusion and realized that using his spider senses that everything was being solved by projectors behind it? And the yes. fact that he, in, when Doctor Strange teleported Spider-Man to uh, his mirror dimension, Spider-Man managed to use uh, fucking math to solve the mirror dimension and outsmart Doctor Strange. In the, this is during the fight. This is when Doctor Strange attacks Spider-Man. This is Spider-Man defending himself. In the middle of the fight, he managed to outsmart Doctor Strange and use mathematics to outsmart the mirror dimension and trap Doctor Strange in it and break out. Batman would have to take hours of prep time to figure something like that out. No, he wouldn't. He, he outsmarted people like it's nobody's business. He outsmarted Lex Luthor on numerous occasions when Luthor was running for president. He's, he's outside and he's 
wearing wires to get recordings of Luther talking shit. I mean, which is, is not hard to do, but then it, and just fucking foiling all of Luther's plans to like build his own countries and shit. Luther's one of the smartest people in the DC universe and Batman can constantly outsmart him. And Superman needs to go to Batman for help most times to outsmart Lex Luthor because Superman can't really do it. That's not Superman. Same thing with the Avengers. Funny. A lot of the Avengers, Tony Stark, They're Reed Richards, Hank Payne, they have to go Come to on. Peter Parker for advice to help with They're shit. Not, yes, it is. You don't read Peter Marvel Parker's comics very that. much, Daniel. Get up on your shit. You don't read I mean, Marvel at all. Actually, read Spider-Man. But Spider-Man and Peter Parker is a very much more utilized character within the universe than you fucking realize. And it's obviously being he goes to them. Yes, he is. He goes to them for losing the debate. Now no, we're you're getting just, you're purely basing all of your Spider-Man knowledge off of Tom Holland's versions, and like obviously you haven't read very much of like no, the I'm Spider-Man. No, I'm not. The Spider-Man is a very utilized person. Reed Richards has to use Peter Parker to help him with certain things, and Reed is considered the smartest person in the universe. Same thing with Tony Stark, and same thing with Hank Pym. They all have to help have Peter Parker help them with make things because they can't figure it out on their own. Hank Pym's a bigot. All right. We're ending on we're ending on that statement. Uh, everybody, back to the corners. All right, judges, you heard the back and forth. Nick, we're gonna start with you. Who gets who gets your final point for the uh, who gets your point for this round? Um, this one was a little bit tougher for me because I do think if, um, Batman had enough prep time, uh, prep time, I do believe he is, uh, intelligent enough to come up with a way to neutralize Peter's, uh, abilities, um, just based off of, like, everything he's been able to build in his past, you know, what he was able, like, it is a good point, though, that without that, I, I do believe that Peter Parker would win. Just, if they just met on the street and just started throwing hands, I think Peter would win based off of the strength that he's got. So I do think I'm going to give the points to Bobby. However, I, if Batman did have prep time to like come up with a good plan, I do think Batman could win. But I, I okay. think I'm giving it to Bobby. All right. Kenny, again, keep it under three minutes. <laughs> All right, so... Basically, um, this is exactly the part of the debate I could give a shit about because it's just two people talking back and trying to get the better one another. It's not that interesting. So for me, it comes down to this, and this wasn't even brought up. Peter Parker would lose not because he's not a smart guy, not because he's not a good fighter, but because he's not ruthless enough. End of the day... Batman is going to break arms. He's going to snap it. He'll snap whatever bone he's got to snap to get the job done. Peter Parker will hold back. Batman might not kill you, but he'll break every bone in your body, let you heal up, and then do it to you again. Spider-Man wouldn't do that to somebody. And that is why at the end of the day, the point goes to Daniel and Batman. All right. So Skidmore? The faith in Skidmore. <laughs> it is up to you. Who who wins? Oh man. I let's see here. Bobby had the majority the whole fight through. He's just bringing out better points all along the whole time. Don't Bobby the last thirty seconds. Uh he brings up Tom Holland a lot, but when Dan rebuttaled with a Tom Holland uh, debate about 
Tom, you know how Tom Holland ends up getting fucked up in the movies. Tom Holland, he's not really the smartest because even in the movies, the Avengers leave him out most of the time. And for Bobby to use the Tom Holland and then switch it up and saying, Danny, that is the oh, you're only going off the Tom Holland movie. The contradiction just erased everything he said for me. So I'm going to have to go with that. Because honestly, yeah, Batman's going to win no matter what. I mean, you're going to have the time to fucking play. He's definitely not going to be Spider-Man. Wait, so who's your point go to? Batman. Fuck yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. All I have to say is Bruce Wayne not will never have the strength and the ability to break an arm of Spider-Man or ever. He's not strong enough to break Spider-Man. You already lost there, Bobo. Daniel wins. I mean, me and Bobby are going to still be arguing this for years and years. Yeah. Anyway. Well, all right. A lot of fun. My work is done, right? Yeah. Uh, every me and Bob, you're gonna hang on to review the last uh, Gold Goblin. But I do want to thank all of our judges. Uh, Nick, thank you for being on, sir. I just met you, but it's very nice to meet you. Thank you for inviting me, guys. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys right now. Yes, sir. Uh, Skinmore, it's always a pleasure having you. Yeah, it was good two hours of my time. <laughs> And uh, of course, Kenny, thanks for coming on. It was uh, it was a blast. Man. Oh yeah, anytime, brother. We'll uh, we'll uh, hit hit you guys up later. We'll uh, get Kenny back on for something soon. Same thing with Skidmore. We got something yeah. Let's to do weekend. some wrestling, huh, boys? Some wrestling stuff. Yeah, we'll do some wrestling stuff soon. <laughs> All right. All right, boys. Good night. Nice to talk to everybody. Nice to meet everybody. Even those, uh, even uh, Bobby. Uh, it was nice to hear your arguments. That you just couldn't pull out of him, brother. That was the best of us. All Have right. a good night, guys. All right, guys. Later, guys. I got fucked. That was bullshit. <laughs> All right, Bobo. Now that that's over, now that that piece of business is over, my statement was not contradicting at all. Hey, I, I don't do the judging. I'm not in the same room as any of the judges. I don't know what you want me to say. That was as fair as we could get. Well, what are we going to do? That was a lot of fun. We, we, you know, you know Dan Hall awesome. in your heart, Batman would get his ass kicked by Spider-Man. Hey, hey, it's over now. Now it's time for love. The work's done. <laughs> time for love and peace. Tyler yeah, didn't even fucking debate what was said. He he used how we debated it as his force. He didn't use the facts that we said as his example. Hey, I'm not here to judge the judges, okay? I'm just here to get my crown <laughs> and go home. That was bullshit, because there's no way Bruce would have no. a way to take Spider-Man's powers away from him. I thought the debate was awesome. I, I thought there was great points made by everybody. I, w- I would have a hard time judging it. But uh, we only got, like, a few minutes left here. We got two-hour run time. Let's get into Gold Goblin. You trying to? Yeah, I just read this uh, like two hours ago. Well, not two. That's when we started this thing. Like an hour before that, right? Right after I got out of work. And I gotta say, dude, <laughs> this is another one where I'm right after the face-off. I had to shit on Black Panther right after the Spider-Man face-off. I gotta praise something from Spider-Man, but this book was fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> uh, God, 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 God
he's good. I really like the play of, and we've been hearing a lot about Gwen tonight. It's been a Gwen history lesson, but the way that that death plays into this book is done so well. First of all, the art's magical. The art's fucking amazing. The art's like nine out of ten. And what I like the most about this book is they use multiple different issues from multiple different comic series of Spider-Man and made them canon for this specific series. Like, they took shit from shit that Stan Lee wrote, they took shit from, like, Todd McFarlane days, and then they took much shit from recently. Like, they made a lot of things canon. They brought, like, a lot of things from the past together. I thought that was really cool. Because, like, the Gwen Stacy shit, she's been dead for how long? You know what I mean? And, like, they just they brought her back as, like, the ghost form and, like, the talk to get to, to Norman, and then they did the whole fucking... The how they brought back the former team ups from like ten years ago when uh, Green Goblin and Spider Man had the team up and that amazing Spider Man run back like ten years ago. It was really cool. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. I it, it didn't make me wonder continuity wise, uh, and I was going to ask you about it. So, is the what about the whole Sp- Spider Gwen stuff, or is that a different? Earth or whatever. Because I thought I think that's a multiversal thing. I think that's a multiversal thing because I believe in Earth six one six, like the main like what Earth Prime would be in the DC universe. Like Earth six one six is that for Marvel? I'm pretty yeah. sure that Glenn's dead. I'm uh, Mary Jane's the like the one that's around. Yeah. Because in the current I mean, Spider-Man run that's like currently out, like Mary Jane. The one that's in it. There is no Gwen. Like I see, I see Gwen Stacy featured in it, but I believe that's the multiversal thing because Spider-Man's one of those characters that's like pretty big in the multiverse because of the whole across the Spider-Verse storyline. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, but I lo- I love the play on it. I love like they really got into it with the whole nips, the snapping and shit, and then she even like comes to him and is like, "What the fuck." <laughs> and, it's just, it's a weird, it's weird to play on that with, uh, with Norman because like, this is a guy that's done so much bad shit, right? Like, he's one of the more vicious villains in Spider-Man history. So it's crazy to like, kind of look at him in an anti-hero role, and, but he still is going nuts a little bit. Uh, I don't love the suit. I'm not going to lie. It's okay, but I don't mind it. It's just I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird choice. Like I, I I can see him going back to Green Goblin at the end. Like I I, I don't know if he stays anti-hero. I really don't. Yeah. He can turn villain, you know. I like it a lot. I like how that that like um like that schizophrenic personality that the Green Goblin had on that had control of on Norman before is still there. Yet. Norman's defying it and still choosing to do good things rather than listening to the goblin voice. Yeah. I really enjoyed this issue. I'm really excited for the next two. I'm 100% subscribing to this and getting issue two for oh. sure. Cause this oh, is over. Like I said earlier, I rate this story like an eight and a half out of 10 and the art like a nine out of 10. It was definitely a very good book. Yeah, I'd probably be right there with you. I'm like, yeah, I'd go 
I'd probably I'd up the story to a nine. Cause I I go whole as a nine as the book. I I go well as a whole. I I go a nine. Cause I thought it was it was just really well done. It was very meaty. Like this issue had a lot in it. You know how you get some issues to where like some a bunch of random shit happens and then at the end you feel like you didn't really get anything out of it towards the story. I don't feel like that with this at all. Like I feel like we know right. where we're going. We know kind of the the train we're on. And there's a couple of twists and turns that could happen, but no, it's got me excited. Like, I'm already thinking, is he going to go bad guy? <laughs> or is he going to fucking, like, is he going to fucking give in to the instincts? Or is he going to be be good for Peter? And we got a little Spider-Man cameo. Well, Peter Parker, but. Is Spider-Man's you know? definitely going to be in this series, because that's one something I was just about to bring up. Earlier, and like, as we know before, even if you watched Toby's first Spider-Man movie, before... Norman becomes the Goblin, and before him and the Goblin and Spider-Man have that rivalry between each other, he kind of sees Norman as one of those, like, like one of those, like, um, like a role model in the science field, because like he's seen that, yeah, yeah. he studied what he tried to learn from him in that movie, and now yeah. it's now it's flipped around now. Now Goblin and Norman and Peter like they know each other's identities, like. Norman Osborn knows Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and vice versa. Like, they know who each other are. And I really like the fact now it's flipped around. Now Norman is looking to Peter as the role model and looking up to him and trying to learn from him, trying to become the hero instead of being the villain. Like, he's trying to right his wrongs, and he's trying to learn from Peter how to do that. I really like how the writer flipped that around completely and made it like the opposite of what it was before. Yeah, and it was cool. And they even, Peter even kind of touched on that with the little one-liner when he's like, you're the boss. Because technically, Norman's still the boss and Peter works there, I'm guessing. At least that's what I got from the scene. But, uh, yeah, he's like, well, yeah you're the boss. And it's like, that, that was pretty funny because he, he just asked Peter everything that he needs to do. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, I, I really like the issue. I really like where it's going. My only ne- critique would maybe be the suit. I don't know if I love the suit. But I don't know how you do it differently either, so I don't want to, like, talk shit about it. But it's just weird seeing, you know, Goblin as a baby face on the, on the good guy team. But, you know, we'll yeah, see what I happens. I thought it was cool how they brought Jack-O-Lantern in, too. Yeah. They, they shit on him a little bit, but, yeah. But he's not the biggest villain ever either, you know. It makes sense. No, he's still cool though. No, he he was really cool. Uh, no, I thought the 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 overall the issue was it was fantastic. I I really like what I uh, was seeing out of it. I don't. I heard a Spidey crossovers coming. Soon. Yeah, probably. And I don't know if that's going to affect or correlate with this book, but I'm guessing it would. So we can keep our uh, eyes peeled for that. Yeah, we'll see what's up with that. But no, I, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, yeah, I like I like this issue a lot. Do Hell we, yeah. Uh, so we we gave our official ratings. We're running out of airtime here. It was a hell of a debate. Where? What do you want to do next week? Or do you want to talk about? I don't that? know what I want to do next week quite yet. For comic reviews. I know I want to review that the new Dark Crisis, Damien versus the Darkness one-shot, that comes out this week. Yes. And then I want to 
the Planet Hulk Worldbreaker. I believe that also comes out this week. Let me double check right now. I believe that also comes out this week. And then you want to try to throw Adam six and seven in there just to because we were going to do that. Does Black Adam seven come out this week? Oh no, I meant five and six. My bad. No, I'm sorry. The Hulk comes out in two weeks, so we'll do that in a couple weeks. Okay. Well, you want to do five Hulk and six, though? Uh, yeah, we can do one through six for Black Adam. We'll just do one through six because I haven't even read any of them yet, so I'll, I have them all, so I'll just read them all. Read it fresh this week, yeah. I just got to I gotta pick up six. I just read five. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. And we'll, uh... What was the other one? <laughs> Oh, uh, the Damien the Darkness one shot. Yeah, sounds good. I might pick something random on Unlimited for a few issues and let you know if you want to do something like that. All right. Uh, something classic. Something a little, something a little older. But uh, right. yeah, we'll uh, we'll come up with an official topic and we'll post it in the group and shit. All right, dude. All right, uh, everybody, this is the Web Cave. I'm Dan. This is Bobo, and it's been a pleasure. We'll see everybody next week. See you later. Peace out.